Um, Alex, are you here? I'm here. Okay. <clears throat> Good evening and welcome to the CASA update for the week of 120 2017. How are you this week, Alex? Um, well, a weird ending to a, a weird week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I spent the day watching the uh, inauguration festivities. Oh. So oh. that hap that happened. Um, <laughs> well, you know that happened, and and nobody got shot. That's good. Yeah, um, it looked like there was some violent protesting going on in DC. Oh. Um, it sounds like typically there are protests in DC during inaugurations, but. Uh, this year, they managed to break windows and send a powerful message to Starbucks. Um, <laughs> so uh, good for them. Um, so, yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, I spent the day doing that, but um, we've certainly had some issues flare up in the past week. Um, and I think I might have uh, brought this up on the last one, uh, but I got an... Uh, notice within the past couple of days uh washington state is looking at a tobacco 21 bill um this is hb 1054 okay. and uh it will have a hearing on the 24th okay. um so public hearing january 24th i believe that's tuesday okay. um it is in the house committee on health care and wellness that okay. is uh, at 8 a.m. in the morning, which should make it accessible to everyone. <laughs> Not really. Uh, there's a little note that says subject to change. Um, so I'll put in a, out an announcement about this um, okay. this weekend. I'm not doing anything today. Nobody's paying attention to anything except for um, the inauguration or right. I guess given the the relatively unimpressive voter turnout this year. I suspect that most of the country is actually doing other things, but um, that is sort of the news of the day is swearing in of our new president. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, we'll put something out about this. And I, you know, we just kind of want to reiterate, you know, we typically get some, some pushback about our opposition to tobacco 21 laws. And uh, I, I really just want to restate you know, it's it, it seems that a lot of people feel that raising the age to purchase tobacco and nicotine products to 21 is intuitive. Right. Um, you, you, it, you know, the argument is that you take it out of the kind of the social connections that that uh, perhaps 18 year olds would have with um, you know, some of them are still, you know, in their last bit of high school um, mm -hmm. and they can easily pass off or sell um, cigarettes to their uh, their friends that are a couple okay. years younger than them. Um, and that's certainly, you know, I think there's data to support that that, you know, that that does disrupt that social connection a, a little bit. But uh, in reality, uh, these policies don't account for the, you know, the real kind of at risk young people who live in households where there are smokers, um, like me, you know, when I was 13 years old, my dad smoked, I, I was, it was easy for me to get a pack of cigarettes. And by the time I was 16, 
Um, I just pretended like I was 18. (laughs) (laughs) I drove up in a car. I walked up to the counter with confidence. And if they ever called me on it, uh, I would just say, oh, you know, I left my wallet at home, which means I can't even buy these cigarettes, you know, like whatever. (laughs) So uh, it was, you know, I managed when I was a young person to to start smoking. Um, And uh, it's still possible. For young people to do that, uh, and and again, this doesn't this policy doesn't really uh, it doesn't do much for the the most at risk people, um, and and we argue that you know uh, like a lot of people uh, in this area that that vapor products are a safer alternative, and that right. it, it's it's m- m- most important for anyone to have accurate information about these products and lumping vapor products in with tobacco 21 policies and arguably lumping smugglers tobacco in with tobacco 21 policies um is uh it, it sends that confusing and inaccurate message that those products are just as harmful as smoking exactly. um which is sort of the basis of a lot of our opposition to a lot of these bills mm-hmm. um you know besides access and then you i mean you can get into the whole kind of um, you know, if, if you're 18, you're old enough to vote, you're old enough to go off to war. Um, yeah. you should be old enough to do things like buy cigarettes if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but sure. again, our, our position is that information really is the key to, uh, improving, you know, accurate information is, yeah. is, is key and access to safer alternatives is the key to improving public health. So, mm-hmm. um, that is why we are opposed to tobacco 21 bills and, um, we're really the only ones that are kind of engaging on it from an opposition standpoint. I mean, other than I think, um, you know, convenience store lobbyists, um, they, they get into it because this, this hurts their bottom line. There are a lot mm-hmm. of people that shop in convenience stores. Uh, they, they, they go to a C store strictly to pick up a pack of cigarettes, but there are sort of secondary and tertiary pur- purchases that those people make. And so if they're not, you know, if, if you're 20 years old and you're not going into the convenience store for cigarettes, well, you're probably not going to buy your, your bottle of soda or, you know, crackers or whatever while you're in there. So um, they argue that it, it, it impacts their, their businesses quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is in Washington state, uh, which is a democratically, con- de- Democrat controlled um, state. So yeah. the, and actually the primary sponsor on this is a Republican. Uh so it doesn't really it doesn't really matter too much, you know. With this, it doesn't matter. The, the party lines don't matter too much here. It's it's Washington State. Um, so uh, anyway, I'll send that alert out this weekend if anybody in Washington State okay. is listening, and um, and yeah, we'll get that out. The other uh, bit of legislation that came up um, is uh, a licensing bill in maryland um and what it, it, it's actually a pretty difficult bill to read because of the way it's written that's 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 me that's my my eyeballs had a problem with this um okay. which is, is kind of rare um right. I, the other two states that are actually difficult to read legislation from are indiana and california i don't know why but <laughs> reading bills from those two states actually makes my brain feel like mush um right. <laughs> the uh but this maryland bill um it uh they used the the ends uh uh acronym but they spelled right. it out 
So every time they refer to electronic nicotine delivery systems, they, they write it out. And someone had to type that 136 <laughs> times. It is 136 times in this bill. And so by the, every time I'm reading it, I kind of lost my place. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's, it's, it's pretty irrelevant to the overall discussion here, but I just felt like sharing. So um, you're I'm welcome. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this is a licensing bill. It looks like Maryland is setting the stage for taxation, which we suspect we'll see um, a tax bill either uh, in the legislature or part of a budget. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what the pathway is going to be, but um, this does set it up so that um, perhaps a, uh, a Department of Revenue could very easily collect taxes from licensed manufacturers, distributors, and retailers. <clears throat> of course, the one of those segments is where they would collect a tax from. Um, and there is language in this bill that is uh, strikingly similar to the tax uh, language from Pennsylvania uh, in, in that consumers become sort of unclassified importers uh, or unauthorized. I forget the exact term, but it's the same kind of idea. Um, and so you, if you are in Maryland, you know, if this bill is enacted, you would only be able to purchase products from licensed uh, manufacturers, distributors, or retailers in Maryland. And the same is true for everyone in that chain. So okay. uh, a, a licensed retailer in Maryland can only purchase from a licensed distributor or licensed manufacturer in Maryland. <laughs> Um, wow. and, and the company has to have some sort of the way it sounds, the way I went through this with Ron, Ron Ward is on our right. board of directors, who's also a shop owner in Baltimore. Um, right. he, uh, went through this and said, you know, uh, it, uh, it, it looks like it's requiring these, you're, if you're a manufacturer, you have to have a physical presence in the state of Maryland in order to be licensed. Um, wow. so, uh, yeah, this is a, it's a, it's a tricky bill. It seems to be somewhat poorly written. Um, and, uh, we're going to, uh, try to, uh, get some meetings with the people who are, are pushing this bill actually, okay. uh, and, and try to meet with some people in Annapolis next week. Okay. Um, and, uh, we'll be getting, possibly getting an engagement out on this soon. There is a committee hearing on the 2nd okay. of February. Mm -hmm. um, so this is moving quickly and, wow. uh, this is something, oh, I forgot to mention okay. <laughs> <laughs> there is an online sales ban in this, um, <sighs> in this bill. So that's really what, uh, it, uh, activates us is sure. that, uh, this would, this would, uh, would pretty seriously limit people's access to access. vapor products. Um, not to mention making it very difficult for people to actually get licensed in the state of Maryland. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we're going to be, uh, working on that. Okay. Um, what else I see in our chat that, uh, Jeremy has uh, a question mm -hmm. and I can, I can get to that. Okay. I'll, I'll read okay. it if that's okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Jer yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or yeah. you could just ask it if you're on, yeah. I, it's cool. Okay. Um, I'd like to know if House Bill 2058 is still basically our last resort. <clears throat> um, many people in the vaping industry are pushing it as a last-ditch effort to save vaping. And you know, I've heard audio from Senator Cole that 
basically says that it doesn't limit FDA power, that it actually broadens it and would allow them to completely ban a flavor entirely across the board if they feel like it. So this is um, actually to, well, to adjust the last part first, um, all that HR 2058 does is uh, it modernizes the predicate date. That's it. That's the only change that it makes. It would move the predicate date from February 15th, 2007 to August 8th, 2016. Now, the discussion that you're talking about um, with uh, 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 Representative Cole talking about the flavors, um, I believe he, that's a sort of a misstatement on his part. Um, the FDA has that authority one way or the other. Uh, it doesn't matter whether we change the predicate date or if we pass Cole Bishop, um, it, it they they will likely issue a rule unless, you know, we see a massive overhaul at the Center for Tobacco Products and the FDA. Um, they will likely issue some sort of rule in the next next year or two um, talking about what flavors are acceptable in e-liquid. Uh, it's very much like, I mean, they have, uh, I, I can't remember if they, they lost the, if they don't have the authority to, to ban menthol, I think they still do. Right. Um, I don't think freedom of speech holds up on that one. Um, but, uh, you know, the FDA absolutely has the ability to regulate flavors. Um, so Cole Bishop or HR 2058 wouldn't change that authority at all. And actually a, a pretty interesting point. Um, and since I, I brought up Cole Bishop, um, you know, one of our, our, um, early criticisms of the Cole Bishop amendment was that it explicitly gave, explicitly directed the FDA to come up with battery regulations. And if anybody has been, anybody who's been following the FDA announcements, they are starting that process anyway. Um, and so, you know, our criticism was that, that, you know, it's, it's debatable whether or not FDA currently has authority to um, issue manufacturing standards for batteries or generally battery regulations. Uh, but the Cole Bishop Amendment would actually make it so that it would actually, it would grant them that authority, it would direct them to do this. Um, so um, if anything actually kind of gave FDA a little bit more authority than a lot of people were comfortable with, it was the Cole Bishop Amendment. Um, now, <laughs> um, as, as I understand it, and actually uh, having had a conversation with Representative Cole, um, he will likely be reintroducing um, HR 2058 again this session. It'll be a different number. Um, it may actually resemble the Cole Bishop Amendment, uh, or it may just be the same language that it was the past two years. Um, and and it, is, it is sort of a fallback plan. Um, it's not a last resort, but well, maybe I guess fallback and last resort are pretty much the same thing. But um, <laughs> if all else fails, uh, you know that that's sort of what we would would like. And, and there's there's more. Um, well, sorry, I'm skipping around here. Um, the Cole Bishop Amendment is, you know, a lot of a lot of us sort of felt that the the amendment was kind of dead after um, uh, Donald Trump got elected. Um, and, uh, and the, uh, and Congress actually sort of kicked the can down the road as far as, uh, uh, passing a budget. Um, and that's going to happen in March, I believe. 
-hmm. March, early April is when they will be uh, working on the, the Cromnibus. Um, and the Cole Bishop Amendment is still in there. So that still has a chance at passing. Um, it, it also still has a chance of being stripped out. We're not sure. And then again, a lot of stuff can happen between now and then. Um, there is the likelihood of other bills being introduced that do more. And I'm not going to get into details of that yet because it's not um, necessarily public, but um, there are other options on the table. And then we have this whole administration change. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people are putting a lot of faith in the Trump administration to appoint a, uh, an acceptable director of uh, a secretary of health and human services. Um, I believe Tom Price did have some uh, issues. And uh, so I think his nomination is, is not necessarily a guarantee. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, he was, is someone that, as I understand it, would actually um, be uh, open to changing things for vapor products. And then, of course, you know, he gets to, I guess, hire the, the, F, the head of the FDA. Um, so, you know, there's the way that I see it, and I think a lot of other people see it, is that there's a, a, a need for uh, a cultural shift in the FDA and definitely at the Center for Tobacco Products. Oh. Um whether or not, you know, it would be great if that happened internally and um, they uh, acknowledge that uh, harm reduction is a viable strategy and, and is really something they should embrace. Um, I, I kind of feel like that is something that uh, that would have a very lasting change. But uh, it's also helpful if that, you know, if the Center for Tobacco Products mandate is changed legislatively. And if Congress directs them to say, you have to incorporate harm reduction strategies um, into into your you know reducing smoking uh, rates, that uh, I, I think that would actually be a little bit necessary. My my first scenario of just saying maybe they'll it'll be an organic change is sort of like it's sort of like a handshake deal, like you know. Uh, if that happens under this administration, there's no guarantee that the next administration's appointees are going to continue that tradition. Right. So um, it's uh, I do believe that there is a need um, to uh, to change the statute. That was yeah. a lot. Um, so I <laughs> yeah. hope that kind of answered the question about HR 2058. Yeah, um, it did for me. I was going to say. Um... I'm kind of surprised nobody's tried to get rid of that wonderful bit of legislation which, that makes which all that possible. The, um, the thing that Campaign for Tobacco Free Kids worked on. The, the, tobacco, the, control actual, Act. the tobacco Control Act. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> surprised nobody's tried to overturn that thing. Um, well, I think at this point, uh, it, it's probably... Uh, I mean, to, to open that thing up right. uh, really exposes uh, any, any bill that you would go in there to, to change things around. It, 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 it will be exposed to 
possible um, dangers. You could you could come out on the other side of something like that, and the Tobacco Control Act actually gets more strict. Yeah, I'm sorry, stricter. Um, yes. So it's there's a lot of risk there, I think, in opening that up. And I don't think anybody in their right mind in D.C. is sitting there saying, you know, we should just repeal the whole goddamn thing. Um, that's... I don't think they could say that, but I mean, I, I'm surprised they haven't, through legislation, made substantive changes to it. You know, now it seems like they have pro business friendly climate to work in. You know what I mean? Well, you know, we've discussed this, uh, I think, mm-hmm. off uh, oh, offline yeah, here, have. and yeah. and you know, <clears throat> what a lot of people don't realize, and and what a lot of uh, you know tobacco control people don't really publicize is that the Tobacco Control Act was a safe harbor for the large tobacco companies. Um, well, it basically guaranteed that. Company. It, it basically guaranteed that they had um, they had the market. Uh, it just it limits competition to them and uh, maybe a few others who decide to get into it and mm-hmm. uh, and that's that and and uh, and now we've seen that 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 the tobacco control act actually makes it harder for new safer nicotine products to come onto the market. Um, Unless, of course, you are um, Altria uh, or PMI, <laughs> and um, you you have the influence and the money to spend developing a product like Heat Not Burn. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I believe it's 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 public knowledge. Um, I I can't remember where it came from, right. um, but uh, without getting too, too specific. Um, it has been reported that they are fairly confident that their heat not burn product will get approval. Yep. And um, and and that will happen rather quickly. It could happen within the next two years. Um, it could happen this year. Yes. <clears throat> so um, and and it's it's not because you know it's the best product on the market. Uh, from what you know, I, I actually uh, have tried it. Um, it's interesting. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, I, I like my vapor more, uh, but uh-huh. it's not for me. It's for smokers. Yep. Um, it, but, uh, it's because they have, they have the resources in order to conduct the science. The science is up on their website. You can actually right. check it out, um, to demonstrate that this satisfies the, the criteria for a modified risk tobacco product. <laughs> and even if it doesn't, they can go through the, the, uh, the PMTA process. Yep. So, um, so yeah, uh, you know, tobacco controllers love the Tobacco Control Act because it makes them look like they've done something substantial and tobacco companies love it because it uh, keeps the market small and manageable. Yep. Protectionist. Yeah. Protectionist legislation. And I don't know anybody who it really wants to go up against all that money. <laughs> well, yeah, true. <laughs> Except for, you know, us, because we're crazy. <laughs> there is that. So, um, isn't the FDA doing something about, they're doing hearings about uh, battery safety? Yes, and um, another post to look forward to this weekend from Kissa. Uh, Bruce Nye has spent a substantial amount of time working on this. Um, and uh, actually... I don't, his name's not on the document, but we actually consulted a little bit with um, 
uh, a fellow by the name of Mooch, okay. um, or known as Mooch, um, the, uh, I guess, sort of resident battery expert in the vaping community, um, and a, a rather, rather smart guy, and um, put together sort of a battery safety uh, document okay. that uh, uh, people can read. It's accessible to, to new people and experienced people alike. Awesome. Um, and this also coincides with our um, offering of a, uh, a battery case. Um, it's a slick, yes. uh, slick looking two battery uh, clear case with the CASA logo on it and the text reads practice safe vaping. Um, and don't worry, it's not a modified risk claim. It is a mm -hmm. play on uh, practice safe sex, which is another <laughs> harm reduction movement that was wildly successful. And, uh, right. you know, we're in the same boat with those, with those folks. So um, an appropriate play on a phrase there. Um, and yes, uh, the FDA will be holding a uh, workshop in April. Uh, this is something that, uh, you know, in the, within our, within, if you're within the sound of my voice and you have, uh, credentials in the world of, of, of batteries, um, even I think, uh, something that would be useful. Um, and I think that we might be exploring is in the area of, um, campaigns, communication, uh, for, you know, for safety campaigns, uh -huh. Um, which is one of the things I think that, that we're arguing that, that a lot of other people are arguing is that probably the most useful um, and impactful thing that, that the industry can do, that advocates can do, um, and even the FDA can do is engage in some sort of public awareness campaign as mm -hmm. to how to properly uh, transport, use, and care for these batteries um, you know, uh, vapor products are, I'm not saying anything that anybody doesn't already know, but vapor products are, are somewhat unique in, uh, compared to other portable electronic devices in that we use these, these battery cells and, uh, you know, your phone, your laptop, your cordless, um, hair curler, whatever, um, they all have battery packs within the device you don't have to really you, you rarely ever have to get in there and you know replace that you, know, you don't mess around with that at all um but the the batteries that we're using have a tendency to end up loose in people's pockets or purses or backpacks and uh and that's where problems arise that's where i i, I would be willing to wager most of the problems arise either on while the battery is being charged or while they're being carried um, improperly. Yeah. Um, so uh, promoting battery cases to people, to me, seems like a very logical and potentially a very effective way to um, minimize substantially the risk of, of carrying lithium-ion batteries around. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah, the FDA, uh, I, I believe... Uh, I don't know if we made an announcement about it. We might include it in the post tomorrow. Um, and okay. uh, but uh, it, it is something you can search on the FDA's site, um, or just search if, if you're interested. Google <clears throat> um, FDA battery safety workshop, and I'm sure it'll come up in the top five results. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, that'll be an interesting kind of thing. And it is, you know, it is an opportunity for experts to get there and and really. Um, give the FDA a lot of information um, mm -hmm. 
you know, ultimately, I think what we would like to avoid is FDA uh, requiring that manufacturers use a uh, specifically designed battery pack um, yeah. that would immediately that would immediately shut down the industry. Yeah. Um, and, and if it were something that were to take effect prior to August 8th, um, unless the FDA were to uh, issue their whatever guidance, um, it would it would shut down the industry prior to August 8th. Uh, it would require manufacturers to make new devices that could accept this particular battery pack. Uh -huh. And um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a non-starter. And uh, so this this has been our our concern with any talk of battery regulations all along. Yeah. So. So yeah, it it's a circular reasoning kind of thing. Yeah. Step before this date is unsafe, so you can't use anything made. Yeah. All right. You know, no. there's another thing. <clears throat> yeah. There's another. Speaking of like, well, it's not really circular reasoning, but weird math. Uh, and dates <laughs> to like arrive at when things can be on the market or not. Right. Um, I, I've been getting some messages about this, and I, I think we might have talked about this last week, but um, I'll restate it just so um, there's a timestamp and people can reference it if they're in conversations. Um, okay. There was a, uh, there is a bill. It's HR 21, um, and it is uh, in in Congress and working its way around. Uh, and it is called the Midnight Rules Relief Act. Mm -hmm. um, it was previously the Midnight Rules Relief Act of 2016. Now it is the Midnight Rules Relief Act of 2017. Okay. And um, <clears throat> there, there is an existing um, uh, rule. Mm -hmm. I don't, it's not the, Cong it's the, is it the Congressional Review Act? Um, I, I think so, yeah. And it uh, allows... A, a new Congress to uh, uh, rescind or undo any uh, last minute rules from the executive branch uh -huh. um, that are done within the last 60 days, the last 60 legislative days of uh -huh. the previous Congress. Yeah. Um, and uh, that, that legislative days designation is important because it actually stretches it back a little further than just November and December. Um, and uh, so a lot of people are looking at this uh, at HR 21 uh, as if it is going to save the vapor industry. Um, there was, there was a, a report that came out from um, what is essentially a vapor retailer. Um, right. And uh, it was on their blog. Uh, and I believe actually some other, um, legal blog site was opining about it. Um, but the, the thing that both of these posts failed to consider was first of all, counting the days, right. um, which I actually just tried to research through like congress.gov mm -hmm. and, uh, the, the calendar wasn't up a couple weeks ago. Right. Um, I think they have to take some time and look back and see if we're going in session. Does it really count? Blah, blah, blah. Right. There are rules. Mm -hmm. um, but it's suspected that the 60 legislative days takes us back to somewhere in June, right. um, which that alone is well after the, the May 10th um, right. finalization of, of the FDA deeming. Um, mm -hmm. The HR 21, what all it does is it would allow Congress to um, 
uh, undue uh, blocks of, of regulation. Yeah. The way the law is now is they can they only do one at a time. But yep. uh, Republicans' argument is that, uh, well, there's just so many of them that uh, we need the power to take out large swaths of regulations. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's, that's what they're trying to do. Uh, but it doesn't really, it doesn't offer us any relief. Um, it may uh, for some of the stuff that has passed um, in the past week or so. Uh, if I don't know if it if it goes as far as dealing with guidance, um, but the the guidance that recently came out from FDA is actually useful for a change. Um, not that it changes much; it's just kind of useful that they clarified things. Um, so uh, there might be some things that can get changed or or uh, uh, I, I want to say repeal, but that's not really the right word. No, um, overturned overturned rescinded I, i'm not exactly sure um but uh yeah so in, in terms of the deeming regulations the um congressional review act doesn't really help us a whole lot but there was some discussion about whether or not uh, uh you would start counting that 60 days from like 60 days after the rule was enacted right so there was some weird math involved there that i think is confusing people <laughs> Um, but you know, the consensus at this point is, uh, that no, this, this does not help us. Um, the specific bill doesn't help us any more than the existing law. Um, so, uh, if anybody's still kind of confused about that, um, I would urge you first to, you know, read HR 21 and, and see exactly what it does. Yeah. Uh, and then second, uh, if you're having an argument, feel free to link to this particular section in our podcast <laughs> yeah well it, it doesn't do that i think it would do yeah you're right with the weird math there was wasn't it something about truthful truthful um claims that could be made that's what people were all in about. the uh the the fda guidance yeah um well, with the, the recent, uh, with the guidance for uh, certain tobacco dealers and, and vape shops, mm -hmm. um, that was a lot of, that I think uh, perhaps clarified, um, you know, the difference between demonstrating a product to somebody versus doing something that would make you a manufacturer. Right. And... Uh, I mean, for, for those of us who've, who've sort of understood this for a while, it, it, it puts it in very plain language, exactly what the difference is. Absolutely. You can demonstrate with a display model, how to put together a, a mod. Um, you can demonstrate how to refill a tank. <clears throat> you can demonstrate how to do everything. You just can't do it for people. Right. Um, on the other hand, when someone is, trying to put something together you can do things like tighten screws um you you can it's it's considered maintenance actually and it's not manufacturing um and i believe the fda actually said that you can replace a coil for someone as long as it's the same coil that they had before huh. which is possible and there are people that are very good at 
build, building coils and can consistently make something the same resistance over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so that it, it just clarified that that was sort of an option for people. So um, yeah. the, uh, however, I think the one that you're talking about is, is the um, making modified risk claims. Yeah. Um, well, I'm saying I thought when that was, it's probably just me. I thought that when that was, um, those, it was all naturally, so it doesn't matter. Either yeah, way. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I, and I don't know exactly if something like that would be affected by the Congressional Review Act. Um, yeah. I think FDA might argue that that's not a new regulation. Right. Um, that is a, that's, it's, you know, basically non-binding guidance. It's FDA's current thinking on, um, you know, what making a modified risk claim means. Um, and this is something that, uh, you know, we, we also believe that, uh, any, any, any legislative solutions or hopefully, um, there, there's some sort of other legal way to, uh, change that interpretation because, you know, we, we advocate strongly that, uh, retailers and manufacturers of vapor products should be able to tell the truth about their products. You know, if, even if it's just as simple as saying this product is smoke free, right. um, we, you know, smokeless tobacco companies should be able to say that smokeless yeah. tobacco is smoke free. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, there's really no debating that. Yeah. Um, but the FDA says that's essentially a modified risk claim. Um, gotta love them. Gotta love them. Yeah. So I see that I've gone on quite long here. Um, but, uh, I did want to, I have forgotten to mention this, uh, last week and, and I, I don't feel like I've promoted this enough, but on Monday, uh, I will be in Harrisburg, um, the Pennsylvania vapor association, Pennsylvania vaping association, uh, is organizing again, a rally, um, in support of legislation that will reduce the 40% wholesale tax on vapor products in Pennsylvania. Um, so again, we're looking at, uh, uh, one or more bills that would be changing the tax rate. Um, we have support. There was actually a lot of support for, uh, this effort last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was stalled. There was a, a bit of a poison amendment that was offered, um, that, that stalled things and nobody wanted to deal with it because it was an election year. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but this time. Uh, it's, uh, it's much needed relief and, and hopefully there will be lots of people in attendance, in attendance again. Um, so I'll be there. Uh, I believe Greg, Gregory Conley is going to be there. Uh, I also believe Bill Godshaw is going to be there, uh, and some, some representatives from, uh, businesses in Pennsylvania. Um, PA Safada is going to be there. Um, and the organizers, John Dietz and Chuck Huff will also, um, be there and, and hopefully they've, they, they managed to get some pretty, uh, uh, impactful, uh, consumer testimonials, um, shared at the last one. So, uh, Good. hopefully that will also, uh, happen again, make an impact. There was lots of media at the last one. It was, it was actually pretty well covered. Yeah. Um, so looking forward to making some noise in Pennsylvania next week. Awesome. Is that it for this weekend? I think so. I'm pretty sure in like an hour I'm going to be like, oh, wait, I forgot to talk. 
about that. <laughs> well, um, there's out well, with legislation. All you have to really do is wait five or ten minutes, and something new will pop up. That's yeah. the way it is. But thank you for everything you do for us, Alex, and. Thank you for coming on again. It's good to have these regular updates again. We've missed them. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to get back in the groove. Yeah. See you next week. All right. All right. Good night. Thank Thanks. You. Good night. Good night.